This special episode of Outdrank the Coverage, the live draft show, is brought to you by the Frisco Bar and Grill. They're located at 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120 in Frisco. You can find them online at thefriscobar.com. I'm telling you, folks, if you're a sports fan, a karaoke fan, or a fan of live music and trivia, this is the place you want to be. They not only have great food, great drinks, they have great prices, and they have a great atmosphere. I'm telling you, this is where old friends meet and new friends are found. I promise you, you will love the Frisco Bar and Grill. Intern Noe and I will be talking about it during the draft show, but we love their appetite. We love their wings. I love their sliders. My girlfriend loves the karaoke. Hey, if you're a fan of Oklahoma Sooners or San Francisco 49ers, the Frisco Bar and Grill is the official watch party place for both of those. And intern Noe and I was there for a Monday night game last year when San Francisco was playing, and the atmosphere is absolutely amazing. You cannot beat it. So check out the Frisco Bar and Grill, located at 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120 in Frisco, where old friends. L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. So like and subscribe and check us out. The 2023 draft has come and gone. We overanalyzed it before. Now we uber overanalyze it. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett, Intern Noe, out drank the coverage brought to you by Frisco Bar and Grill right here on L4 Media Company. I know I've got S2S Sport Network in on my side. I forgot to change it. I was doing a coach's interview. I'll see if I can do that later. Not really worried about that now. Before we get started, Intern Noe. How are you doing, and what are you drinking? Hey, Terry, man, what's going on? I'm not doing pretty well. I'm doing Glen Rose 12. It's a single malt scotch. Got some vanilla and some cherry and cinnamon notes. Pretty good, smooth. I think something you might like. I might have to get one bottle for you to try out as I continue this summer to make you like whiskey. Make me like whiskey. I... uh I'm being a little bitch. I'm drinking Powerade. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm telling you, dude, I'm realizing more and more I'm just getting older and older. I'm still feeling the effects from Thursday. Uh, (laughs) That was such a slow burn on the, during the draft show, we ended up going four and a half hours. Yeah. Um, I'm still feeling it. Uh, But one good thing, I want to go ahead and say this. So in 12 days, we're going to be recording our monthly specials. Uh, we dropped our 1971 uh, look back at the Dallas Cowboys, our first in that A Look Back series. Uh, it's our biggest, so far, biggest video on YouTube. Uh, it's getting a lot of traction. So if anybody that's listening or watching this has listened or watched that, we do appreciate that. Uh, we're going to be, we've kind of changed things up. Uh, we're going to be doing, of course, 1977 Dallas Cowboys. We're basically going in order uh, for the Super Bowl champions of the Cowboys on our first uh, ever A Look Back uh, offseason. But, you and I decided if we're going to do that, you know, you can't really tell a Super Bowl team story without going forward and going back. Uh, like with the 77, we're going to really we'll, we'll lean into, you know, that 75 draft, the Dirty Dozen draft, uh, the World Series or the World Series, the Super Bowl loss to Pittsburgh. And then how that, you know, became the 77 Cowboys. 
Uh, and so we decided, well, why don't we just go ahead and kind of tell the story in between 77 and 92, the next Cowboys Super Bowl winner. Uh, and so we're, we're going to split that up. Well, this um, uh, this month, we're going to record 77 Cowboys, of course, a league, uh, the league season three retrospective. And then we're going to do 78 to 85. And then next month in June, when we record the 92 Super Bowl champions, we're also going to do a, a uh, episode, a look back on 86 to 91. And it'll be telling the story of the Cowboys, but also just the NFL in general, too, because there's there's certain eras and certain, and you know, I always talk about there's certain transition years and things like that. And oddly enough, in between the two Cowboys Super Bowls, th that's a big transition era. Not only with with teams coming up that had never won before, but also just how the game is played. The rules change, especially 76, 77, 78, uh, with cornerbacks not being allowed to do as much as they used to. Offensive linemen being able to actually extend out their arms, and they weren't having to do the old school like that block. Uh, and just how, like you saw, the West Coast offense, the... Uh, the explosion of quarterback, wide receiver. So a lot of fun stuff that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, with the West Coast offense, we touched on it a little bit in the – oh, no, I can't remember. I think it was a 71 podcast yeah. <laughs> when we uh, talked about the 68 or 67 Bengals yeah. and how the West Coast offense was kind of built out of necessity. Uh, it's called West Coast now because it was popularized in San Francisco, but the Orange, let's go yeah. back to the Bengals in the 60s. Well, and if Paul Brown and, and, you know, it's funny saying this because after Paul Brown didn't hire Bill Walsh, they, they hired, I think it was an old offensive line coach. He basically yeah. flamed out after one year and then they end up with Forrest Gregg. They do go to a Super Bowl, but think about how the sense it, it could have been called the central U.S. offense. I mean, or, or I guess Midwest since it's sort of yeah, like Chicago. Offense. That, that sounds, yeah. I think Midwest offense, I think off tackle in the snow. Uh, but it, it could have completely changed how the AFC, the NFC, everything. Again, that's that what if that we like to talk about when we talk about things like that. Uh, speaking of what ifs, that's what the draft is all about. Um, so you and I, we did the first round. Uh, we, we talked about, you know, who the Cowboys pick, but we're going to go ahead and break them down now. Um, all the Cowboy picks, uh, and then we'll go to the NFC East, and then we'll finish just kind of our thoughts overall on the, uh, the full NFL. Um, I will say this, and, and and I know a lot of these are, you know, we'll look back and, and, and this will change five years from now, but it does feel like over the last few years, you don't have as many teams just completely swinging and missing at the draft. Might not agree with some of their picks. Like I think Detroit reached for a running back that they could have got later, things like that. But those are minor things. It just feels like we're in an era where most, for the most part, teams are making better draft choices. Yeah, I mean, like you said, now Detroit was one. I thought the Packers were another Lucas Van Ness. Yeah. A few picks too early. He's still a first-round pick. Uh, so I, I really felt most of these teams did a good job getting a quality player, getting a day-one starter to uh, help their team improve and move forward. And actually, to be honest with you, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this later, I really think almost every team – did fairly well in this draft. This is probably the first time I've ever said that. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, so before I had the list of who they drafted, but let's first pull this up. All right, so this was the what we felt the draft needs were. And by the way, good job, Noah. You're the one that kind of put together all the draft needs on, on these, and 
there was a couple teams that even Brett of NETSN just pointed out, like they literally drafted exactly how you had laid out. Now the Cowboys didn't, uh, but the Cowboys still, I mean, if you look at what, what they, what we had as their needs were pretty much the needs that they did. So they came into this draft uh, running back, wide receiver, inside linebacker, cornerback, DL, O-line, and tight end. Uh, the funniest thing is, is you could literally copy and paste that for like 90% of the teams uh, because they're, everybody's always looking for wide receivers and cornerbacks. Everybody's looking for offensive line help. Uh, as you and I had talked about, uh, tight end, uh, one of the bigger, deeper positions that, that we've seen in the NFL uh, in, in a draft in a long time. So that's that was their needs. Here are their picks. And before we break down each one, overall, what did you think about the Cowboys draft uh, uh, this weekend? I was very pleased with it. When I'm looking at this list right now, I see at least four starters either this year or in the next two or three years. Yeah. And I see at least a really good role player in special teams that could work his way into a third down running back and Deuce Vaughn, which is probably the most emotionally satisfying story of the entire weekend. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like uh, for people that don't know, you and I in 2014, I think it was 2014, was sitting there watching Mississippi State play somebody. I think it was 2014 it was or 2013, maybe it was the year that they were number one or right at number one for a couple weeks, and that wasn't. Dax oh, it was it, it was it was 2014. I think it was Dax's junior year. Yeah, it was his junior year exactly. And and, and you and I just were, we were just kind of you know watching and, and enjoying his game. And I looked over to you and I said, I don't know why, but. Dak Prescott just feels like that he's a he's going to be a Cowboy quarterback, and, and lo and behold, he becomes a Cowboy quarterback. It, it kind of felt, and I'm not just saying this because Deuce Vaughn's dad works for the Cowboys. It just felt like Deuce Vaughn was going to be a Cowboy. I mean, either that or the Eagles would trade up and pick him themselves and turn him yeah. into Dar- Darren Sproles 2.0. Uh, the, I mean, Deuce Vaughn is a, a fantastic player. He's he's definitely. Uh, a guy that probably could have went higher had he been a three inches taller. He's yeah, five, no, he's I listed agree. as five. He's listed as five five. Unfortunately, if if he was my height, which I'm a five ten or five nine, he would have probably been a second round pick. At now, bare and, minimum. you can make the case that if he's five nine, he might not have the same quickness. Now, you bring up Darren Sproles. It, it's a comparison. I understand they're both from Kansas State. They're both small, but Darren Sproles was built different. Darren Sproles was squatty. I mean, he was a small guy, but I mean, my one concern about Deuce Vaughn is he he's not built real thick. Um, yeah. and, and one of the one of the few knocks on him, or not few, but one of the knocks on him is, you know, he's not going to break tackles at all. Like, if, 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 if he's one of those, if he's if if he if he gets through the line untouched and he can make a move on the linebacker, watch out. But if the linebacker can get his hands on him, usually they're going to bring him down. But at the sixth round, you know, I, I have no problem with this pick. I do think this pick, and I know that they, and we'll bring up the UFDAs as well. I, I know that they got a fullback out of uh, North Dakota State or South Dakota State. Uh, Luke, I, I'll look him up here in a minute. But I do think that bringing in Deuce Vaughn makes me think that uh, Ezekiel Elliott is definitely back in play for Dallas. Oh, yeah. But if you have to think about it, there's other teams now because they didn't address the running back situation in the draft that they might also want to get uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Think of the Broncos. They really should have gotten a running back. Javante Williams is still not going to probably make week one. And if he does, he's not going to oh, be. Right. He tore his knee up last year, didn't he? He tore it up uh, later in the season, Late too. The year too. 
Now, the Broncos got Samaj P. Ryan, but I don't think he's had more than 100 carries in an entire season. So yeah, he's, not he's gonna... more of a spot guy, cool yeah. beard, you know, just, you yeah. know, but you're, I don't think you're going to expect him to get 20 carries a game for the first four weeks of the year or anything. And I think to succeed in Sean Payton's offense, you need one, really, ideally, you need two pretty good running backs, but at least one healthy one. <laughs> and yeah, I don't no, really I, think I the agree. Broncos do. I, uh, the guy I was thinking of is Hunter Lupke from North Dakota State. Uh, he's a six foot one, two hundred thirty pound fullback, mm-hmm. but not really a fullback in the traditional sense. Not that a fullback in traditional sense is used anymore. Uh, but uh, I think he could be a, a short yardage type guy. Um, but let's go ahead and let's go ahead and go and start at the top. In the moment, you and I totally forgot about Mozzie Smith. But you and I had talked about him multiple times off the air, just talking drafts and stuff. But then that run, the, the whole tight end thing with Buffalo, which I still think that's an odd thing that they felt <laughs> need to jump up when you have de- when you have a, a solid uh, tight end. But anyway, that's what they wanted to do, and so we just kind of in the moment forgot about about uh, Mazi Smith or Mazie Smith. I don't know how he says it, um, but I, I love this. this. This is exactly. I'll say this about the overall draft: it's not as sexy as the Eagles. But you also didn't have two first-round picks, one of them being a, a tenth pick like the Eagles did. I, I think that it's a lot easier to be sexy when you're playing with house money. Um, and, and then, B, I don't need sexy picks. I, I think everybody, a lot of people were downgrading Dallas. It's so funny because when Dallas goes for splash, the, the knock-ons, they'll say, oh, well, yeah, they got they got Des Bryant, but they really, you know, that, that's a splashy, but they really needed substance. Even when they got C.D. Lamb, did they really need another wide receiver? So then this year, it's a very non-sexy draft, just like last year, and people are like, well, it's okay, but they didn't really make a splash. I, I, we didn't need to make a splash. Dallas is at the point now with their roster. They weren't looking for home run picks. They're looking for guys that they can plug for five to seven years and you don't have to worry about them. And, and I definitely think Smith at the defensive tackle uh, with him and Jonathan Hankin, I, you go from Dallas being a run, uh, a deficit defense to now that could be their strength when they've still got everything else built around it. I love this pick. I, I honestly went going into the draft. I thought the Cowboys would go tight in with the first pick because I felt my mayor or Kincaid would be there. Yeah. And then in the second round, I thought Dallas would get Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Who was Which also not been a bad pick. I, and that was probably one of my favorite tackles going into this draft. But I, to me, the Cowboys defense was great but the, it was lacking one thing, and it was lacking run stoppers up the middle. Hanking's trade during the season helped a lot, but it wasn't it wasn't really the final piece. This guy, the final piece, I'm not saying, I'm not making Charles Haley comparisons, but as far as getting the final piece for a defense to fit this team, Mozzie Smith is that guy. I think he's going to create so much opportunities for Micah Parsons and uh, – Everybody else on that defense, Lawrence, just pass rushing, Fowler, everybody. Well, and that's the great thing about getting this guy and with Hankin, and then down the road too. We'll talk the fourth round because they're projecting him as the three technique uh, tackle. If they do what they're supposed to do, then Dan Quinn doesn't have to scheme that against the run. And what I mean is not that he, but you know what I mean. He doesn't have to say, okay, we need to pull Parsons off the edge and we need to plug him more at linebacker because we can't stop the run. Or we need to not be as aggressive 
uh, uh, you know, getting to the quarterback because we need to stop the run. And, and I, I saw a stat where uh, the Cowboys through the first 12 games were averaging four sacks a game. And then the last five, they were averaging 1.6 sacks a game. And that was directly correlation with teams going, okay, we'll just run. We're yeah. just going to run, run, run. And, and I told you at the time, I'm like, Dallas is fine with that because they're basically betting that those teams won't do that 35 times. Well, then you get to San Francisco, and Dallas played a wonderful game defensively, but there were still three or four drives where you needed Dallas to get them off the field and give Dallas good field position. And, and while San Francisco didn't score, they were able to get a couple first downs. That's where you get a guy like Smith, and you put him in there, and, and you get him to he's – he's what you call a two-gap plugger. Center and guard are going to have to have be responsible for him. And the Cowboys feel that they can – they feel that his pass rushing, while it didn't look good in college as far as stats, they feel that they're still there because, again, getting to the quarterback is one thing. Sacking the quarterback is a second thing. And a lot of luck is needed for that second part to happen. Getting to the quarterback is still a, a positive. And, and I, I, I just think this is going to be a pick that five years from now, they're going to be like – everybody's going to be like, wow, this is a great pick. You know, look back 10 years ago, think about the 2013 Seahawks and think about what really was making them really good. You can talk about the Legion of Boom. You can talk about Bobby Wagner. And to me, I, I really don't think none of that happens without you know, tackles Brandon uh, Mabane and Tony McDaniel anchoring the interior of that defense. Pluggers. So, pluggers, exactly. So Hankings. And Mozzie Smith, I think those are going to be those guys that the 10 years later, the new version of of this defense. And I, I just feel this was the final piece of the puzzle. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this defense. This is a defense that could actually carry this team if need be without yep. problem. Exactly. Um, and then the second round pick, I think, is the most uh, – yeah. I, you know, loved or hated, whatever you want to look at it. Yeah, uh, I, we had talked about it. I, I still, <clears throat> I, I still was not as oh my god, they need to tie it in. But after hearing and, and listening to them, I understand it. Uh, uh, Luke Shoemaker, the tight end for Michigan. A lot of people feel that that was a reach, or they didn't pick the most athletic or whatever. I will say this: Dallas was looking for a wide tight end. Luke Schoonmaker at, at Michigan literally played that exact position. And, and a tight end is – two tight ends are not the same anymore. This isn't the same – tight end can be five different things now. You could be a Kyle Pitts where you're more of a wide receiver. You can be a Jason Witten where you're a little bit of everything. You can be an Antonio Gates where you're a little bit of a blocker, but you're a down-the-field, you know, make big plays, 12 touchdowns a year. I think they decided, right or wrong, we don't know, but they decided that 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 Schoonmaker was going to be the guy that fits what they need from the number one tight end. Jake Ferguson and Pendershot to an extent, but Ferguson especially. I, I think he's going to be your Dalton Schultz, go down the seam type of guy, and then Schoonmaker's going to be the safety valve, but more importantly, block. Mm. And... <clears throat> One of the negatives about Dalton Schultz that I think never got talked about enough was he at times, and you can give me all the metrics you want. I've watched him at times. He was absolutely terrible at the point of attack blocking. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, he wasn't paid to block. It's just, I mean, it, 
you could say like Jimmy Graham in the same sense, where it's just more for a receiving tight end. Yeah. Uh, he kind of came on late, though, toward the season, and I think that kind of translated into getting a pretty nice one-year deal with Houston this year. Uh, Schoolmaker will be fine. I, I like the fact that we have three really good tight ends. Yes. Maybe none of them make the Pro Bowl this year. I think Ferguson has a bright future. Schoonmaker has a size. Uh, the, you know, a lot of concerns with his draft pick was the fact that there were a couple of better options rankings-wise. And all all these are projections, too, so we really don't know. I think Dallas feels, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I I just think I'm – first off, we got to start giving – everybody keeps having this perception about Dallas in the draft, and it's a a perception that 13 years in the making is wrong now. Dallas drafts really well. Yeah. I mean, Dallas has the most homegrown all pros and pro bowlers uh, of any team in the NFL right now. They draft really well. We can, and people say, well, Taco Charlton. Well, no team drafts at 100%. Every, you know, Tristan Hill. Well, Tristan Hill, actually, I, I still think he was serviceable. I think, I think his attitude hurt him more than his actual, his actual play. But we've got to start trusting in Will McClay and the, in, in the front office. And I trust them if they say that this is the tight end that they feel fits their need. They didn't say, hey, this is the best tight end. Or this is the guy with the best measurables. Or this is the guy that looked the best on tape. They said this yeah. is the guy that fits what we want our tight end to do. Yeah, I think it was a perfect pick for that, especially a second round pick. You know, the good thing is didn't spend the first round on the tight end. Although I, I thought the Cowboys would do that. Uh, so uh, to me, it's a good value pick. I really don't see a bad pick out of the seven, including him. So. And the reason why I'm wearing this fleece is well, we're, we're going to talk about the third pick, but uh, hey, it, yeah. if when you when you when you uh draft an East Texan, you're gonna win as they do with <laughs> the third round, they take Demarvarian over Sean from ARP, Texas. Um, he was a safety when he went to college, he became a linebacker. Um, he is very much in that. And I'm not, and people understand when I say this, I'm not saying he's as good as Micah Parsons. But he's very much in that linebacker mold that you see now, where you could literally play him with his hand down at end as a rush end, or have him drop back almost as an extra safety at times. He's very athletic. Yeah. He's very fast. He's, he's got all the measurables. And I, 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 this is another one I think is going to one of those low key five years from now. How did he? How did he get to the third round type guys? I, I really do. Uh, he's going to clean up a lot of Micah Parsons' messes. That you know, when quarterbacks step up, you're going to have Overshawn sitting right there to, to finish up. You know, and I think this is a key key pick. You know, I know you're a big UT fan, so you tell me a lot of stuff, and I I love college football, and I'll watch the games. I don't have a favorite team, so it's nice that I'll hear stuff about certain players from friends that are fans of some team yeah you might not have noticed it but a lot of times when we message you always reference overshawn mm-hmm. a lot uh he kind of reminds me of a mix he could either go the dj or the uh it was dj oh, Derek johnson route where he, he's about the same height about the same weight coming out yep. of college then gain 15 pounds to where he'd be more ideal for a linebacker position or i mean right now he's like uh, two or three inches taller than Ryan Shazier was. Ryan Shazier, he was a safety in college. He was about yep. six, six, one, two, twenty. And then before he started for the Steelers, 
his rookie year, he gained 15 pounds of muscle. So he got to about 237, 240 and became their starting linebacker. Yep. So Obershawn, like he has a decision to make. I, he, he'll be a starter on this team. Maybe not this year, but in the 2024, 2025, he can decide where he wants to play. Does he want to move out to safety or just be an edge rusher? Or does he want to be a true linebacker? If he wants to be a true linebacker, I'm not sure exactly how much he weighs. I think he's... I think some publications say he's 6'3", 229, others 6'4", 224. Yeah. In any case, I think he needs to get closer to 240 if he wants to play a true linebacker position so he can absorb the hits day in and day out. But I I love this pick. This is a guy that's always around the football. Yeah. As soon as the play's dead, you're going to see his jersey right there. So I love this pick. This is probably my favorite pick even more than Mozzie Smith, just because of the value of where you're getting him and what I think he's going to be by the time his contract is up. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, fourth round. Uh, yeah, this is another one that it seems like a lot of people say is a huge reach, but this is a Dan Quinn guy, and I don't know if that's good or not because Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Joseph are supposed to be Dan Quinn guys, and they have struggled. Uh, but fourth round from San Jose State, Junior Fajeco. Defensive line, but he basically played defensive end in San Jose State. I can't remember the conference they're in, but he was conference defensive player of the year. Uh, but what Dan Quinn says he loves about him is, A, he can get to the quarterback, but at 276, 10 pounds, and you can have him play a little bit of that three technique. And that three technique in Dan Quinn's defense is the defensive tackle you want rushing up the field. They're not really worried about gap control. Again, that's why you need Mozzie Smith at the top because he always wants – Quinn always wants three of the down linemen to be going to the quarterback. And then you want the plugger and Smith to, to, to take care of the gaps. This is one of those that he's either going to hit or he's going to miss. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not going to claim that I know anything about him. I watched some highlights of him. And highlight films are really hard because every player looks amazing in a highlight film. Um, that's why it's called a highlight film. Exactly. But, but I, I liked what you said about Dan Quinn. We were talking about him and we were talking about, you know, nation right now, them. And you said you trust in him, but you don't trust in him. I, I kind of agree. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I'm saying it's an unknown. I, I, I do. I do wonder if there were other people on the board at the time. I, I'll say this before. I, I meant to say this before. I'm not saying Dan Quinn's your next head coach for the Dallas Cowboys if you know if, if things don't go right this year. But my God, this was a defensive draft in a year where a lot of people thought Dallas might lean more offensive. Yeah, I mean, you saw how they played last year. They didn't have any receivers that could create separation out of C.D. Lamb. So this was interesting that they did not go with a Kincaid or uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, someone that could get out Addison, Zay Flowers. Well, now, this, to be fair, I think there was – I do think one of them could have been in play in the first round, but there was a run. Once Seattle took Najiba Smith off the board, then there was a run of wide receivers. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny how we went from two running backs were picked before a wide receiver to all of a sudden four wide receivers taken in the first round, all within six picks. Yeah. And, and so, again yeah. – we can all say, well, Dallas should have, should have, should have. Other teams are drafting. It's not like Dallas has first shot at every pick, and then other teams are drafting, and, and Dallas can't control. Just like I do think that they would have taken the tight end possibly if he was left. But Buffalo, for whatever reason, felt they needed to jump above and get it, um, get him. And so 
you have to take what's available. And I guess that's the thing Dallas used to not do that was always so frustrating. It didn't feel like they let the draft come to them. I know some people will claim that they didn't let the draft come to them this year, but to me it felt like they did. Okay, these guys who we wanted were off the board. All right, let's go to our next one. Let's not try to be cute. Let's not try to, you know, trade up or trade down just for the sake of doing it. If that guy is who we think is the next available that fits what we want to do, let's grab him, even if it might be around too early. Because guess what? Next year in the middle of the game, nobody's going to care what round the players are as long as they were, they're performing. Tyler Smith by far was a was a reach last year. Yes. Do you care now? No. Nope. Because he performed well. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. And so I, I will trust him. Now, I will say this. I love the fifth-round pick. I, I think uh, Asim Richards from North Carolina, he played tackle, but they say he's probably going to come inside to guard or at least play both. Six foot four, 306 pounds. You can put 15 pounds on him and it's not going to slow him down. Uh, I, I think you get him. I still, I still hope that when the season starts next year, Mm-hmm. We have the two Smiths at tackle, Tyler at left, Tyron at right. And, and then you have Richards or, or uh, what's his name they got from uh, – I can't think of the guy's name. They got somebody off the kind of the heap, the scrap heap. Which, by the way, Dallas drafts well, and Dallas has also done a really good job of bringing people in that are kind of the the, the scrap heap offensive linemen. And then they've done a good job of getting value out of them. But I think Dallas's best offensive line combination next year – uh, is the two Smiths and then steal back to a swing tackle. Uh, Chuma Edoka. Yeah, was it Tampa Bay? I believe so. Let I mean, me... he's been around oh, a couple of times. He, he, he got drafted by the Jets, but I'm not sure yeah. who he played with before. But uh, anyway, he, so he, I, he played I, with I, the Falcons last season. Huh? He played with the Falcons last oh, season. Falcons, that's what it was, Falcons. And it was something from the NFC South. Uh, but I like the Richards pick. I do. The Cowboys offensive line, as you saw last season, need needed depth. Yeah. And I think this is a good depth pick, especially for a rookie like him. He can learn from a future Hall of Famer in Zach Morton and another future Hall of Famer in Tyron Smith. Uh, this I, I like the pick. I, I like the value. I mean, these are some good value picks. Uh, oh, uh, side note, San Jose State, Mountain West Conference. Yeah, Mountain West Conference. Thank you. Uh, Fajeko was the Mountain West Conference player of the year. All right, so of the last three picks, we talked about Deuce Vaughn. I'll admit, I don't know much about Eric Scott Jr. or Jalen Brooks. Jalen Brooks' pick apparently is one of those that nobody had him on the draft board, but I don't have a problem with that in the seventh round. That's probably a guy that they might have thought other teams might go after for UFDA, so let's just go ahead and secure him and get him. I I don't care. I I I think we hyper – we, we hyper-analyze draft picks, and that's you know what we do and what the pundits do, but when, yeah. a, a lot of times people start trashing the seventh round. It's a flyer pick. You just hope they hit. I will say that Eric Scott Jr., the cornerback from Southern Miss, he fits, the again, he fits the Dan Quinn mold. He's six foot two. He's big. He's athletic. Um, but, again, so did Nashawn Wright and so did Kelvin jo- Johnson. But, you know, they got bland last year in the fifth round. And it's funny because he doesn't really fit the the Dan Quinn mold. And he ended up with five interceptions last year yep. and really should have got more consideration for defensive rookie of the year than he did. He just came on so late. Uh, those awards are kind of decided in the first nine weeks of the year. And yep. so if you have a, a strong close, it's really hard to get into that. But overall, 
again, we won't know for two or three years, but overall, I I, I trust in Dallas's drafting ability now. I can't say I, I, I can't say I did that in 2009. Uh, 2009 is still the worst draft. I know 2013 wasn't a great one. Uh, you did get Terrence Williams and you got J.J. Uh, uh, Wilcox and a couple others. But 09 is still, to me, the, one of the worst drafts ever because they literally admitted they went in. They thought that they were set. They thought that they were they were Super Bowl contenders and all they had to do was find special teams players, as Jerry <laughs> Jones said in, in the draft. Yeah. Uh, but in saying all that, what hurts Dallas is what, Philadelphia did and the rest of the NFC East, by the way, for all the talk about what the Eagles did for all the talk about what Dallas did or didn't do. Uh, I think the giants and the commanders did really, really well in their picks as well. Let's go ahead and start. Uh, we'll start with the Eagles because they are the ones that made all the splash, uh, yeah. their picks in order, uh, Jalen Carter, Georgia defensive tackle, Nolan Smith, defensive end, Georgia, Tyler Steen, offensive lineman, Alabama. Uh, Sidney Brown, defensive back, Illinois. Uh, Keely Ringo, cornerback, Georgia. Uh, Tanner McGee, quarterback, Stanford. And Moreau Ojimo, uh, defensive tackle for Texas. And I'll tell you what, watch out for him. He's a plugger. He's really good. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, on paper, hell of a draft for the Eagles. Oh, yeah. They have a love for the Georgia team these last two seasons. And, you know, last year they got Jordan Davis – and Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean was a great value pick. They knew they weren't going to even play him, but they got yeah. him later in the draft. Uh, yeah, J- getting Jalen Carter. I mean, if, if it wasn't for the off the field issues, he would have not. He would not have slid this far. He should have been the number one overall pick. And I know that. And and, and please, people, what I'm about to say, take in context of what I mean in the sport. The issue for Jalen Carter wasn't the car wreck. It was come. It was showing up to to pro day out of shape. That's what I think got a lot of people more concerned with him, because the car wreck is a is a moment decision, bad decision. He's going to pay a suspension or probation. He's going to pay a fine and all. Uh, but coming out of shape when you've got that on your hanging over your on your neck, that, yeah. that's a that's a it's a warning sign. I still think he's going to be a beast. Uh, and, and I think Philadelphia has a good culture, too. I, I think this is a great spot going to what you just said, the culture. One, the Eagles culture, and two, there's a lot of Georgia Bulldogs on that team. So he has a support group. He, he has people he already knows that got his back. So I think he has a good base, a good starting point. And uh, Jalen Carter will be fine. It's, I mean, Philadelphia, they, they lost a lot of great talent this offseason. Yes. Now, now now they got Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, their future tackles up the middle. Like uh, Fletcher Cox will be the starter. Brandon Graham will be starting. But they're going to retire pretty soon. They're longtime Eagles. N'Kobe Dean, Nolan Smith at linebacker. It, it's it's it, Keely Ringo. They just – I mean, he has a great size. He's kind of what I was saying about Joey Porter Jr. last yeah. week. Yeah. He has a size. I just don't see him living up to the potential of what he can really do. Uh, I, I like Sydney, uh, Illinois. Think about that secondary. They had one of the best secondaries in the country, apparently. They had a lot of uh, draft picks from their secondary in this draft. Uh, so, Why yeah. Weren't I, I, better? <laughs> huh? Why weren't they better? Why weren't them in Iowa better? And you know what? They're, uh, the running back, Chase Brown, 
when we talk about the rest of the league, I think he'll be the starting running back for the Bengals going into uh, by the end of the season. I really don't think Joe Mixon's going to be lasting long in Cincinnati. And I actually, I was, I was future Cowboy and Zeke Elliott, future Bengal. That, that's, that's another team I thought that the Bengals might, uh, or that's another team I'm thinking Zeke might be getting offers from. See, I, 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 I feel that Zeke's probably had some offers. I, I also feel that it wouldn't shock me just the way how much Jerry Jones has talked about him. Yeah. If there isn't a, hey, Zeke, just wait. Just wait. He wants know? to come back. And he, yeah, exactly. he, said it, he, he said he'll take a discount. So, But how he, much he, of a discount? Yeah. Because you, if, if I'm Dallas, as much as I love the idea of Zeke back and I still think Zeke has some value – I'm not going more than league, uh, the veteran minimum. It, someone will pay him $5 million. I already know. Someone will pay him $5 million thinking he's the guy that's going to get him over the hump. Maybe. Maybe. All right, so let's go to the Giants draft. Um, they were aggressive, man. They, they, they came in, and they had an idea of who they wanted. They made trades. They get Deontay Banks, cornerback from Maryland. That was um, my favorite cornerback coming into this draft, even yeah, more than Devin Witherspoon and Gonzalez. I think if he'd have been on the board, I think Dallas might have been tempted. That my and my second favorite is who Washington got, Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah. All right. So looking at the Giants, they got my favorite center from this draft, John Michael Schmidt. I mean, I just like the name. <laughs> uh, Jalen Hyatt in the third round, receiver from Tennessee. It's a big play guy. I mean. Him, Darnell Wright, they both got drafted well just because of that game against Alabama. But they also had great seasons, too. So, uh, uh, yeah, their first three picks, they're going to be starters. The rest of them, Eric Gray, running back from Oklahoma. Trey Hawkins, the third, cornerback from Old Dominion. Jordan Riley, defensive tackle from Oregon. Javarius Owen, safety from Houston. I, I think they can be role players. I, I think all seven of the picks will make the roster. I just don't know if those final four picks are going to really be starters. I I know Saquon Barkley, they're still trying to get him a deal. Yeah. He hasn't signed the franchise tender, franchise tag. So, I mean, he's, he's not pr- participating in practices right now. Yeah, so which I, is all normal stuff, and the Giants are fine yeah. with that because they don't want him to get hurt and, yeah. and when he's not signed. Yeah, the Eric Gray feels like uh, – uh, I mean, you want to back up running back, but getting him and Eric Gray was good last year for Oklahoma mm-hmm. in a system that people forget about. They usually have some really good running backs. He had like yep. over 1300 yards and everything. Yep. He also kind of feels like, uh, Hey Barkley, we got this guy just in case you're only on a one you're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, I think that's very smart. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you, you said it about Hyatt. He's a big play guy, which they um, do need for that offense. Yes, and, and I mean, that's the, you know, the, now the question is, can Daniel Jones get him the ball? Uh, I, 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 you know, we'll have that debate many times over. Uh, yeah. I, I really liked uh, Jordan Riley, their defensive tackle. Got him in the seventh round. He was a guy that as the draft was kind of falling and you saw he wasn't being picked, I was kind of hoping he'd slide to UFDA and he'd be a good body for Cowboys again. Yeah. I think yeah. he's a guy that can get into the rotation there. Um Look, I've been the biggest one saying let's tap the brakes on the Giants. You know, there's four or five teams every year in the NFL that have the little nice runs and then they kind of fall back to the pack. And I still think that that's a very possible situation with Daniel Jones at quarterback. Yeah. But I 
The one thing they did that I still can't remember what his name was that was the head coach when they made the playoffs the last time. Uh, ben McAdoo. Yeah, Ben McAdoo. He looked like an NBA coach, like he was always slicked back with the hair and everything. He just looked like he was just like greasy. Uh, but uh, I, th- their drafts were terrible that year. This was a really good draft. It was uh, a really good draft for the Giants. And again, as we talked about for the Eagles and for the Commanders. Now they don't get like uh, a lot of the love, but I, I felt that you know, especially with their first two picks. This is a team that two years ago everybody talked about might be having one of the best defenses, you know, and, and for the foreseeable future. And yeah. speaking of, they declined Chase Young's fifth-year option. Um, I'm like you. I kind of feel that that's kind of like how Dallas did with LVE. Like, look, we need to see it again because we haven't seen it. I mean, Chase Young had the great rookie year, yeah. came out of the gates year two, tears his knee up, then – is out for a whole year, then gets hurt again. And, and I don't think that they feel like he's unmotivated by any stretch, but I think they're like, it's time to put up or shut up. Yeah. Um, but them getting the two cornerbacks, I, I think, was really, really smart. Like you said, Emmanuel Forrest, Mississippi State, Jartavius Martin from Illinois. Another uh, great Illinois secondary player. Yeah, another great Illinois secondary player. But, I mean, so, again, it wasn't well, a splash the, the draft. Huh? Well, I was going to say, before you continue, I just want to say those two picks alone – Show me where they're trying to focus on. Their bigger issue was they, they could stop teams from getting yards. They were, I think, top five in the league yeah. in yards allowed. But the problem was they weren't getting turnovers. Forbes and Martin are turnover machines, and I mm-hmm. think that's the direction they're trying to go on defense to get them over the hump. Well, and let's let's kind of talk about that. You you know, we, we talked about it during the uh, pre-draft show and into the show. And I thought it was, you know, we were all talking about, look, you're in an era now where football, it's your quarterback, your offensive tackle, your edge rushers, and your cornerbacks slash safeties, but really cornerbacks are your most important positions. It's not as much getting teams off the field anymore as it is creating turnovers. Yeah. You'll give up a you'll give up a couple touchdown drives if it means later on in the game you get you're getting three sacks and two turnovers. And that, I mean, Dallas, how many times, and like I said, I, I am the most calm, non, you know, I, I don't jump the gun outside of the game, but inside the game, it felt like every time Dallas, the first drive on defense would give up points or, or they'd give up, a, you know, four or five first downs. But then afterwards they were good. And it's not about like, you know, that you look back at the nineties Cowboys, you look back at any, you look at back at the Baltimore Ravens and yes, the Ravens got sacks and the Ravens got turnovers, but the Ravens also just got teams off the field. You you didn't get first downs. Now in today's era, teams are going to get first downs, even against the great defenses. The game is just different. So how do you combat that? You get turnovers. You're an opportunistic defense And, and you're right. Like in that first game, Dallas just basically outlasted Washington. That Washington did a really good job in game one of stopping Dallas. And, yeah. but, and of course, you had Cooper Rush. I think, yeah, Cooper Rush was quarterback when they played that first game. Um, but Dallas was able to outlast them. And so I'm like you. I think them getting the two drafts. Now, the one thing I think that they, they lack offensively, too, is still quarterback. Yeah, that's the one thing they still didn't answer. This team was 8-8-1 eight, eight last year's. Unfortunately, it was Ron Rivera's best year. So I, th- I think this year's a put up or shut up for Rivera. 
I think they did address it. They got a center for the future and Ricky Stromberg. They got Brayden Daniels, a guard for the future. The first four picks are going to be starters. And that's great and all. But like you said, they cannot think that they're going to be competitive going into the season with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I mean, apparently they legitimately off of one game against Dallas, a, a game that, and I know people say, well, Dallas had it. No, they really didn't. Dallas never really had a play for the number one seed. Um, and unfortunately they did exactly what you and I thought they would do. They wouldn't just either commit to either, either let's go all out and try to get a number one seed or let's sit everybody. Yeah. They kind of did that middle where, Let's not sit anybody, but let's also just not really. You could just tell that there wasn't like this big elaborate game plan against Washington. And for some reason, and it wasn't like Sam Howe went out and threw for 350 yards. You know, I'd understand it if he pulled a Scott Mitchell yeah. and threw for 379 yards. In fact, let, let me look that up while we're talking about that. Uh, I want to look at what he did. But it wasn't like he, you know, he, he just lit up the world. Dallas just kept mucking around and – you know, they, they yeah. ended up winning. Uh, let's see. He was 11 of 19 for 169 yards, one touchdown, <laughs> one interception, sacked three times, <laughs> an 83 rating, a 46.4 QBR, and, and that's who they are like, yes. Yeah. The and it's not like all year he'd been coming in. And I mean, I'd understand if he'd played, but that was the only game he played. I, I don't yeah. – I like Ron Rivera, but it feels like Ron Rivera that they just they just keep ignoring the quarterback situation, and and I don't get it. You know what, man? If you look at their depth chart, you look at their starting lineup. It is so good, except for one position. Just on offense, they got five players on the line that could be Pro Bowlers this year: Charles Leno Jr., Andrew Norwell, Nick Gates, who they got from the Giants. He was great center. Sam Cosme, and of course, right tackle Andrew Wiley, who shut down Hargrave and Reddick in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, just that alone. And then you look at the rest. The receivers are good enough. Tight ends good enough. They lucked into, even though they drafted a guy who ended up being like a just a terrible person that nobody knew about a couple of years ago. I can't think of his name. Um, the guy Washington? Does, huh? You talking Washington? Yeah, the running back they drafted a couple years ago in the first round and, at LSU and ended up having sexual assault cases. like Darius Geis? Yeah, Geis. Anyway, th they luck into Brian Robinson Jr., who looks like he's a pretty solid. He had almost 800 yards last year. Uh, you talked about their wide receiver. They got Antonio Gibson, who's a solid running back. Uh, yeah. yeah, it feels like they're a quarterback away. They're kind of using and, him in the Michael Pittman role. Yeah. So are so are they going to end up going with Jacoby Brissett? And and, and Jacoby Brissett is is I want to say he's Teddy Bridgewater two but they're like the same age. But they're literally the same type of quarterback. Where it's like one's just never, bigger, huh? Yeah, Brissett's just a bigger version of Bridgewater. That's yeah, really he, he won't be aggressive. It's check down Charlie's, and and it's you know I don't know. I feel like Rivera might be coaching for his job this year with new uh, management and everything. With with all that talent, I, I I can't see how he's not. They really with, with Sam Howell at quarterback, they really should just rely on the running game and let their defense create turnovers. They they drafted two players in the secondary with the, the idea of they're going to create turnovers. 
you can't do that in today's football. I mean, that, that's, well, the that's what they think they're going to do. <laughs> I mean, as great as Dallas 12 and five with, with and we can make the comments yeah. about Dak and all. And again, I think all that gets overblown, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, that's what Dallas does run game and defense and the best that's got Dallas. And that's with a solid quarterback and, and solid wide receivers, Washington with Sam Howell. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be an era and I guess you just lop it on with the, the whole era of the Redskins. Oops, sorry, Commander, since 1991. Uh, but this is, I just feel like we're going to look back a few years now and go, wow, Washington really, really just let an opportune to, to become one of the better teams in the NFC uh, to go by. Because the NFC is, I mean. Top to bottom, they have the, one of the best rosters in football. Oh, yeah, and because the NFC is weaker, and I do think they're weaker, I still think they're in play for a playoff spot. Look, right now, if I was ranking the ratings and all, it's the Mm -hmm. Eagles, it's the Niners, it's the Cowboys, and then it's everybody else. Yeah. Now, I think Detroit, maybe. um, We got to see if Jared Goff's going to be Jared Goff. And we also got – I don't know if I quite trust in Dan Campbell yet. Uh, The motivation's there, but it seemed like he made a lot of mistakes last year that they're – their team kind of got him out of those troubles. Uh, Minnesota, you know, we're still unsure. Will the Rams bounce back? Uh, what will the Cardinals do? Uh, Packers with Jordan Love. But, I mean, just going into the season, it's 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 the Eagles, the Niners, the Cowboys, and then I think two heartbeats and then everybody else. You know, I did like what the Packers did. I almost feel like Aaron Rodgers was smiling when he was watching the Packers draft. Because his biggest complaint was they weren't trying to help him out to surround him with good talent, uh-huh. and with the with the first two picks the Packers had, they did not help Jordan Love at all. <laughs> well, they got Luke Luke Musgrave, the tight end. Yeah, they got Lucas Van Ness at first, and they did get Jaden Reed. They got two tight ends, Musgrave and Kraft. And I like Tucker Kraft. Now, I'll admit, I that's who I kind of wanted Dallas to get in that second round was Tucker yeah. Kraft, um, but. Again, he's more of a smaller guy. He's more of your run routes, which is fine and and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I you know, I, I kind of feel like the Packers are going to take a step back this year, but we'll be back soon. Um, I I I do think they'll take a small step back. But let, let's go ahead and go look. We, we talked about them a little bit. Uh, Detroit, you know, just giving the names a really good draft. I, yeah. I like Jack Campbell, the linebacker. Uh, I like Sam Laporta, the tight end, both from Iowa. Uh, I, I like Hendon Hooker. I, I think if you're looking going forward, that might be your guy. I like Jameer Gibbs. I don't like Jameer Gibbs as the number 12 spot when you could, I think you could have traded down, got some capital, yeah. and easily got him. You know, honestly, I, I think that's the main issue with Detroit's draft. They had a good opportunity to build off their nine and eight season. A lot of people have them as a sexy pick to make it to the Super Bowl. They Gibbs is not a number 12 pick in this draft, although I think he has a lot of Tony Pollard slash Alvin Kamara qualities, yeah. just a little bit smaller version. Uh, and then and then that he's so good they ended up trading Swift to the Eagles, and the Eagles didn't really have to give much. I think they only gave up like a 2025 20, fourth. So they gave up a 25 fourth, and a lot of people were doing the whole Eagles doing everything right. I like DeAndre Smith. Um Swift. I had him on fantasy two years ago. And, yeah. and yes, that's how you and I know opposing players is fantasy. <laughs> um, league season three uh, or season two episodes gonna be dropping here probably as we're recording this. Um okay. But at the end of the day, he's not 
he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Um, he's not. He's more of a receiving guy than a running back. Um, and yeah. he's only well. He's only well, they, well, they got David Montgomery for that. Yeah, they they got Montgomery to, to be yeah. the grinder. So uh, I was just say so. We were talking about it. I don't really feel anybody had a terrible draft. Um, yeah, I was looking through all this. I, I like all of Detroit's picks. They have four starters with their first four picks. Brian Branch was the top-ranked safety in this draft. He's going to be sliding in as a starting safety. Laporta will be the starting tight end. Jack Campbell, the most football name ever. I thought he – I mean, that just sounds like a Pittsburgh Steeler to me. But, uh, of course, yeah, he went yeah. to Iowa. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, he'll he'll be a starting inside linebacker. The only problem with, with this draft, let's just go back up a little bit. A lot of teams needed an inside linebacker. A lot of teams needed an edge rusher. The value wasn't at inside linebacker in this draft. It was more at edge rusher. That's why I didn't really feel that Jack Campbell should have been a first-round pick. Yeah, he, Detroit could have got him in the second round. They could have used that 18th pick on a skill position player to surround Goff with even more talent or – address other issues along the defense because that was a main the weakness of that team last year uh what did you think of i'm just trying to bounce around um uh, i like what the cardinals did paris johnson jr offensive tackle i think he is a bookend franchise type of guy uh I, i like michael wilson their wide receiver they got i think in the fourth round yeah. Um, Clayton Toon, and I know you've still got, you know, Kyler Murray, but I, yeah. I don't think Kyler, for all the talk about, you know, the Cowboy fans and, oh, Dak Prescott's only got two years because that's kind of where his yeah. deal is right now. Um, I, I don't know if Kyler Murray's passed this year because nobody in the front office or coaching staff that's with the Cardinals now drafted Kyler Murray. So there's no half you know there, there's he's not tied to anybody in this organization anymore and, and so i i think if kyler murray does not have a turnaround year this year i i think kyler murray's on the outs for for the cardinals well one i think the theme of 2022 is gonna carry over into 2023 which is injuries yeah until they increase until the nfl increases the the depth chart like allows teams to carry 60 plus players i think it's just going to continue uh, and also, yeah, there's if you talk to former Cardinal players, they don't really have glowing thoughts about Kyler Murray. So there, if, if it's consistent with multiple players, there has to be some issue yeah, with I this agree. guy. So, uh, but yeah, with the Cardinals, to me, when I look at their draft, uh, Garrett Williams, their third round pick, I, I think if he's recovered from his ACL, I, I think he'll be a great player. He's a cornerback from Syracuse. Uh, but outside of that, I'm really looking forward to what they do in 2024 because they got a lot of picks, including a first and a third. Yeah, they're they're kind of the the Eagles of this year, next year, where they've got. But the thing is, they've got a lot of middle round picks, and that I always believe your middle rounds, your your late second through fifth mm-hmm. rounds, are almost the hardest point to draft. Yeah. Because you're not getting sure things and you you don't have reaches. You, you literally, in today's NFL with salary cap, yeah. you've got to hit on that third and fifth almost as much as you hit on that first and second it, 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 with, with depth and, and things like that. Well, GM Monty Austin Fort has done a good job in getting these picks. So hopefully he surrounds himself with great scouts that can give him the best possible analysis of this talent. And, you know, good – 
third, fourth round picks, fifth round picks, they are lower risk, but Arizona, if they do it right, they can be back into contention by 2025. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'll tell you somebody else who I thought really, really did a great job with the the the, the wealth of picks they had now with Chicago. Um, you know, they made the big trade with the Panthers and then they traded down, still got the guy that they wanted another offensive tackle, Darnell, Wright, Just like Paris Johnson jr. I think this is a franchise cornerstone guy. Uh, then they got really good athletic defensive tackle and Gervon Dexter senior, uh, Roshan Johnson, a running back that if it wasn't for Bijan Robinson, uh, get the UT, a lot of you, Hey, UT back into being drafted. It's nice to see that again. He is, uh, he is going to have a pretty solid career I, i'm really high on roshan johnson he and i don't mean this style wise so i'm not trying to say his playing style will be like this but he reminds me of when priest holmes and ricky williams were both on texas and ricky williams of course got drafted higher and was the more name but yet priest holmes ended up having you can make the case a borderline hall of fame career and i'm not saying roshan johnson gonna have a borderline career but i think people are going to look back and realize that Bajon robinson was good but roshan johnson was a really good NFL back. Well, Johnson uh, could have played. He could have started on 90% of the division one. Exactly. And then I like Tyler Scott, the uh, wide receiver that they got from Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. uh, the linebacker, uh, Noel Sewell, who is a uh, brother of what's his name at, for the line. Sewell. I really do. I, I think, I think Chicago is, you know, because there's going to be other teams. We talked about the three teams in the NFC, but somebody else has got to make the playoffs, and yeah. somebody else has got to have a solid season. And if Justin Fields, and he doesn't even have to become a, a 65% completion guy, it's become a 60% guy, uh, cut down your interception, make better reads, and I think he can do all that. And, and Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields, if he stays healthy, will finish his career as the most prolific rushing quarterback. I mean, he runs at a level that we haven't seen since Mike Vick. And, and it's different than Lamar Jackson yeah. because Lamar Jackson is swift and L L Lamar Jackson is, is shifty. And he's also very rich with that $260, $60 million contract. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, you feel like if he gets hit, he's going to get hurt. Justin Fields doesn't run like that. Justin yeah. Fields runs like an old school Eric Dickerson eyeback. And if he can just control the passing enough, I, I think Chicago can easily become one of those teams, and they're really young right now. It, hey, they addressed their – to me, going into this draft, their main weakness was their offensive and defensive line. They addressed it with the first pick. Uh, I, I think they might have addressed it with the second pick as well. Well, they got three defensive tackles in this draft. It, so uh, they, Yeah. They went that, with me. We'll throw, we'll throw uh, numbers if nothing else. And Tyreek Stevenson, I'm really big on him in secondary. Their secondary is pretty good, but with addition of him, just learning from Brisker and all of them, I think that's a really good pick. They got depth at running back. Uh, the DJ Moore trade really solidified the receiver group. They were kind of short there. Now they have Cole Komet. So slowly but surely, Justin Fields is being surrounded by a lot of good talent and also going to be protected by Darnell Wright and company along the offensive line. So uh, they're not going to make the playoffs next season, but I could see them. Oh, I think they will. Because of the division or because they're going to make I that leap? The division and the conference. I, I mean, again, I, I, I'm not saying this as a bad thing because 
hey, I, I don't want my team to be in the toughest conference. I want them to be it. But I, I think I legitimately, when I said it, I think the NFC is three teams and then everybody else, let's see what they do. And, yeah. and I think I think Chicago has just as, no, as much chance as Minnesota uh, of winning that division. And I'm not ready to, I know everybody's the lions. I am still not, I'm still not sold on the lions. Yeah. Well, how about the Falcons? Hey, look what the Falcons did again. You can make the case that maybe Bijan Robinson, you don't draft a running back in the top 10, but I, I do think he's a transitional type or transcendent transitional. Maybe I did out drink the coverage, uh, a <laughs> transcendent type running back that you're drinking power. I know, hey, Hey, power. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, I think he's going to be special. Um, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing for a- Atlanta, though, is quarterback. I mean, that's the big question for them. Yeah, uh, Desmond Ritter, they're, they're trying to build around him. They've done a lot of it throughout the draft. Well, through free agency, so, excuse me. And then with Bijan Robinson adding another piece to complement Tyler Algier, I, I, I like what they've been doing this offseason. But outside of B. John Robinson in this draft, or just focusing on this draft alone, I'm not really sure they have the best of drafts. Um, I know some analysts are giving them like a B, C grade. Uh, if I had to pick a worst draft for this year, it probably would be them. I really don't think they needed to get Bijan. They could have addressed other issues like pass rush. <laughs> but uh, overall, I mean, Bijan is going to make that better. It doesn't matter. They'll if they have if Arthur Smith plays it well, he'll be able yeah. to design an offense that caters to both Algier and Bijan. They can be on the same field, kind of what I thought Dallas would do with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, where Zeke would be the main grinded out back and Pollard would be all over the field. And they did do that a lot. I thought Dallas did a pretty good job through the year doing that. I'll tell you somebody I did. We need to talk about before we finish up here. Okay. Uh, and a team that drafted, Seattle? huh? Seattle. No, Carolina. Oh, okay, Carolina. Okay. Because, I mean, if Bryce Young steps in is and 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 plays, you know, again, rookie quarterbacks. This ain't like it used to be. Where, and by the way, I, I appreciate that Frank Reich said, "Hey, he's not getting the number one snaps right away, but Bryce Young's our starting quarterback." I wish more would just do that. Quit with the crap of high. This isn't 15 years ago. And I know people say, well, Patrick Mahomes sat. Well, yeah, because you had a, a good quarterback in Alex Smith sit ahead of him. Yeah. Um, Carolina doesn't. Um, but I, I think Carolina, I mean, if you just told me last year that, hey, they're going to trade McCaffrey and they're going to be a better team for it, I would have said you're crazy. But lo and behold, I think they're a better team for it. And again, in a, a division that is wide ass open, yeah, I, I could see Carolina going nine and eight and making a playoff. You know, the second pick, Jonathan Mingo, I think is going to be a key factor to that. Oh, uh, good point. Yeah, he, I, I liked him. I thought he was a first round grade. I thought he should have been going in the first round, but it didn't happen. And so I, I really think the Panthers got good value there with him. I think it'll be a good piece for uh, Bryce Young. This is, this is a young team. They got some veteran talent. They got Hayden Hurst. They got Adam Thielen. So I, I think they're good there. They got Miles Sanders at running back. They got pieces on offense. I, I don't. I, I think they'll surprise some people how competitive they actually will be coming out the gate. Uh, no one's really ever seen a player like Bryce Young before. Someone that's my height, that but actually is a pocket passer. He's a pass first type guy. But he can run. But he can run. The uh, situational runner, which is my favorite type of quarterback, where yeah, 
they could run for a thousand yards, but no. Well, I'll just run if my four three doesn't check out and it's third and four, and I just get five yards on the first down. So, you like what Seattle did? For me, when I look at Seattle, I look at it over a two year window. Yeah, the two I year. Love, is Geno Smith a two year or three year deal? It's a three year. I think deal. it's a three year deal, but I'm thinking I'm on, when I say two year. I mean the draft from last season. Oh, and okay. The draft from this season. I don't like the Zach Carboneau dra- uh, pick in the second round. That was me neither. There's no reason to get another running back. None at all. They're they're, they're good at running back. The second round pick that was kind of high for him. Uh, but I do like their first picks. The number five pick, Devin Witherspoon from again Illinois, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. That addresses two big needs. The rest of the draft, I don't know why they got Kenny McIntosh in the seventh round, running back from Georgia. I, I don't think it was necessary, but I, I'm, I'm happy with the picks. I'm probably more happy with the picks they had last year because they kind of got their book in, their uh, tackles. Yeah. Uh, Cross and uh, Abraham, Abraham Lucas. So I really think they could, they're going to be a much better team in 2023. I'm not sure where they're going to go. I don't know if they'll win the division, but they'll definitely be in playoff contention. Probably double-digit wins. All right, so let's close out with the other Texas team, the Houston Texans, because I just appreciate what the Houston Texans did in the fact that nobody had them picking C.J. Stroud. In fact, it had gotten to the point where they had people thinking that they were going to not even draft Will Anderson, and then, boom, they get both of them. Now, we'll see if that the, the Stroud pick is smart. I, I, to be honest with you, I think it is. Um, but more importantly to me, what they did with Will Anderson Jr. and then Juice Scruggs, the center at Penn State. He was a guy that I was kind of – I know Dallas is happy with Tyler Badaz, and he played a lot better this year, but I, I still feel like at times he gets kind of pushed around in that A-gap, uh, especially yeah. when you're looking at what he's going to have to go against against Philadelphia. Uh, but I was kind of hoping he'd fall to them, but I, I, I will give Houston credit, man. Uh, I don't know if it'll work, but give them – they had an idea. They said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get our cornerstone quarterback. We're going to get our cornerstone edge, and we're not going to do like we did when we had to choose between Vince Young and Mario Williams. We're going to get them both. And I I think, if nothing else, it at least shows that Houston, for the first time in four years, has a true idea of what they want to do. I, I think Houston is – at least for what they've wanted to do is hit a home run this whole offseason with who they've signed as far as the vets and then who they drafted. Great call back to the 2006 draft. Uh, outside of C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr., I was also happy with their third-round pick of Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver from Houston. That was a producer. Uh, I think he'll go well with uh, John Mechie, uh, Noah Brown and all the other guys that they have at receiver. That's a position they still need to upgrade a little bit more. They might have to address it further in free agency. Yeah. And, it, it, hey, I mean, they probably won't get Antonio Brown. I, I know he tweeted that he was going to go to the Ravens. 
nothing's ever been confirmed about that. Yeah, that's kind of weird, dude. Like he made it like, and a lot of sources reported it, and then everybody's kind of pulled back. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But speaking of real quick, though, I, I want to point out, I really like their Bama back uh, Henry Toa Toa. Yeah, and, yeah, great that's linebacker. That's a guy that ten years ago is a number one. Not number one, one pick. He's a first round pick, but we're in an yeah. era now where the run game is not quite as valued. So, as you were talking about earlier, inside linebackers are not quite as valued, but that dude's a tackle machine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he went to Alabama uh, and he fits really good in the, what, again, we talk about Dan Quinn. Well, Domingo Ryan is the same type. He's that, you know, take an inside linebacker and he puts him on the outside. Take, you know, he's going to move him around. I, I just feel if I'm a Houston fan, yeah. I feel like you've actually got some, you've got some things to look forward to. And, and again, you're in a division where you could play yourself right into a playoff chance in the last few weeks. So I'm um, just looking at their starting roster right now. You got CJ Stroud, Damian Pierce, Robert Woods, Nico Collins, John Mechie the third, Dalton Schultz, tackle Laramie Tunsil, right guard Shaq Mason. Uh, right now, Will Anderson is slotted as the defensive end. And then you got Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, Jerry Hughes, who's probably mm -hmm. playing his last year with the Texans, most likely, if, if he doesn't get released during the offseason. Yeah. Uh, and then Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie, and Stingley in the secondary. Houston is slowly having a very, very good offseason with free agency in the draft. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have some wins that we do not see coming. They won, I think, three games last season, three, four games. I wouldn't be surprised if they got to the seven. They should have beaten Dallas. There was that stretch where they were playing three good teams, and they were um, they almost won all three games. They got blown up by the Jags, and they beat the Colts toward the end of the season. So they had a good end to the season. Let, just let it carry over. Yeah, but it also almost hurt their draft because of that. It, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think uh, Lovey Smith was a little salty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny, though. Th this this whole year became the whole the stupid, the NFL's, uh, you know, it's all rigged, and you NFL calls the shots. And, and even Goodell made some jokes about that during the draft. Yeah. If there's ever a, a play that you think the NFL rigged, it's the Texans on fourth down on the goal line trying some weird double counter with a quarterback <laughs> yeah. and just kick a field goal and you win the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you win the game. Um, and I still remember as pissed as I was, I still remember as soon as that play happened, I messaged you, Dallas is going to win this game. They got <laughs> 92 yards. But you just, you just knew in that moment Houston just lost the game. But, yeah, I, I think Houston has quietly – I'm not the biggest fan of, of Nick Casario, and I think the, the I think he's one of those guys that's just got to – again, we joke about Ben McAdoo. He just seems slimy, but but they have done a great job in the front office, all the way with who they hired and, and, and the draft and the signings that they've done since then. Yeah, we'll just see what happens out on the field with D'Amico Ryans as the new head coach for the Texans. Let us see, yeah. see if there's an improvement. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. Uh, final thoughts on this draft. First off – we had a blast doing the the round one thing. We're definitely going to be doing that. That is now a staple of outdrink the coverage. Uh, but but I go back to what we talked about. I, I think that even the teams that you look at that had bad drafts, I just don't think anybody has totally bad. I kind of miss the days where the next day, and Cowboys were some of them, Kavika yeah. Pittman, Dante Carver, um, <laughs> where you would just look at every pick, 09 Dallas Cowboy draft, and go, <laughs> nobody's going to be in the NFL in three years. I, I don't think any team did that this year. I think every team, like I said, even like Jameer Gibbs, 
it doesn't matter one year in where the, where he was drafted. I, I think he's going to be fine at Detroit. In fact, I think he's a 1,300-yard rusher. Um, I, I think teams have gotten better overall with drafting. Yeah, I don't think anyone got a C grade draft-wise as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I think everyone had a, a B or above. They're all, they all had great drafts. I don't think I've ever seen a draft like this before where everybody just did well addressing at least two of their needs. Going into the draft, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of them will address the rest of their needs in free agency. Yeah. But I, I thought this was one of the best drafts as far as decision-making. Yes. Even though this was a record-setting 43 trades overall in this draft. Oh, yeah, good pick. Uh, I forgot you sent me that earlier. Yeah, 43. It didn't even feel like there was that many trades. Now, in saying that, after the first round, I'm not hanging on every pick. I just had ESPN tracker up, and I'm looking. And a lot of times they don't tell you who gets traded. Like, I didn't even realize the Cowboys and the Chiefs made a trade late in the thing until yeah. reading this. So, But, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think at the end of the day, you're starting to see scouting and, and computers and all that. It's just it's so more in-depth. Speaking of scouting and computers, reminder, uh, we talked the 1971 Dallas Cowboys. We got the 1977 yep. Dallas Cowboys. We're going to be recording here soon. Uh, the league season two uh, retrospective is dropping. Like I said, it might even be up now as I'm talking. Just look around if you're on our YouTube channel, L4 Media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Outdrink the Coverage. You can email us, ODTCNFL at gmail.com. On Twitter, at OutDrankU. Noe, have a good night. Until next time, I'm Terry Bennett. That's Intern Noe, and this has been Outdrank the Coverage. L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. So like and subscribe and check us out.